What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. Family, family, family. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. I know Thanksgiving has just passed. We're off the heels of a massive week. And uh, yeah, it's just good to be back. I had an absolutely incredible Thanksgiving. I hope you did as well. And there's so much to talk about. Now, we told you coming into the month of November that November was going to be a very busy month for premium live events, aka pay-per-views. And it certainly was. Pretty much every major promotion had an event in the month of November. And it was literally back to back to back, starting off with Crown Jewel for WWE the first weekend, then the end NWA had their event Hard Times 3, followed by Full Gear, and then this weekend Survivor Series. So we've not been able to give you a review yet of Full Gear and Survivor Series because we were out Thanksgiving week. So we're going to do that today or as much as we possibly can cram into this one episode. So prepare yourselves. Hopefully by now you've seen both of those particular shows. Shout out to all of you who are consistent followers and supporters of us here at The Faction. If you are not super easy to find us you can find us at the faction show on instagram facebook and twitter and of course you can find us via podcast google spotify apple or wherever you're listening to us right now and if you are subscribed thank you so very much if you're not subscribed go ahead and subscribe and leave a rating and comment for us as well it allows us to get in front of more eyes and ears okay so there's a lot to jump into we are going to cover survivor series by now we're a week removed from full gear but i do want to go over the results and kind of give you some highlights from my perspective because there are some things that i have considered and thought about in watching this particular pay-per-view that were hits misses and the like and we're going to get into all of those right now so Let's talk about some overall results here that we saw. Well, how about this? Instead of me going through each of the results, I really do want to talk about the big moments from Full Gear. The big moment from the zero hour portion of Full Gear was the match between Eddie Kingston and June Akiyama. What's so significant about this is, of course, Akiyama is the longtime idol of Eddie Kingston, his inspiration. In fact, the guy who really inspired Kingston to even embrace the world of pro wrestling. So yeah, to say this was a big deal would be an understatement for sure. Massive deal for Eddie Kingston. And you know, it's one of those kinds of moments that you see in this sport where again, lines get blurred and you understand that the passion for this sport can be unmatched, right? We love the sport of pro wrestling. And so anytime you get an opportunity to connect with your idol, they say never meet your heroes, but that's not always true. And we got to see an incredible moment with Eddie Kingston and June Akiyama overcome with emotion. Kingston wins the match, literally bursts into tears, shows honor to June Akiyama, and then takes the mic in an unscripted promo where he basically shares his love for Akiyama and then in the same token promotes the event with just a couple of minutes left. Like it was one of those organic moments that you got to watch and you said, this right here is why we love pro wrestling. 
And it totally is. So shout out to Eddie Kingston, June Akiyama. Major moment from the zero hour space. Also, Ricky Starks would go on to win the world title eliminator semifinal match against Brian Cage, which would, of course, put him in the tournament final on Dynamite, which we'll get to in another broadcast. All right, now moving to the main show, Jungle Boy Luchasaurus Steel Cage match. I thought this was a great way to start this pay-per-view. Again, you kind of, we're at this point now where you really do need to put kind of a bow on this particular feud. I think it's done all that it can do, at least for now. Perhaps they run into each other down the road, as I tend to think that they're going to be connected for a long long time in their careers but a great cage match jungle boy wins the match one of the side notes that i don't hear a lot of people talking about the fact that we're now referencing him as jungle boy jack perry i think all credit goes to jim ross because jim ross was the guy who could never just call him jungle boy he always called him jungle boy jack perry and so with that said jungle boy jack perry gets a big win, wins the steel cage match, and perhaps now both Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus can move on to bigger and better things. So then you have the trios match where the Death Triangle defends against the returning elite. I think everybody thought that it was a foregone conclusion that the elite would walk out of this as the champions. Well, in fact, that's not what happened. I think we all got fooled on this one because instead, Death Triangle walks out as champions. And I thought, actually, that was a great move. I thought, what a great way to still honor Death Triangle. Only then to later hear that now we would have a best of seven series between these teams. And I will tell you right now, I think that's a mistake. Here's why I think that's a mistake. I think it is possible to overdo something that's really, really good. And I think we run the risk of oversaturating the marketplace with this particular feud. I think it's so special that it's one of those things that you space out over months, right? Don't just give it to us again on Dynamite, which is, of course, what happened Wednesday night. So, yeah, I don't like this particular move. I I think back to 2018, Shinsuke Nakamura wins the Royal Rumble, then gets that epic world title match against AJ Styles at WrestleMania, WWE's attempt to recreate what happened at Wrestle Kingdom just a couple of years prior. Now, as special as that match was, even though the Wrestle Kingdom match, I think, was better, where WWE really messed up is that for the next six to eight weeks, we got that particular match six different times on three different pay-per-views, even on a SmackDown. And so to that end, they oversaturated us with that until Styles versus Nakamura was no more special. I think they run the risk of doing that with this particular matchup simply because I think that first match was so, so good. We really need time to sit with it and digest it. But instead, we didn't get that. And so the other thing I think that does is I think it does actually leave a bit of a damper on match one because it now seems like a foregone conclusion that, of course, coming out of all of this, the elite will win and become, you know, the trios champions once again. But of course, time will tell. 
From there, we get the TBS Championship match, Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose. Um, again, I thought this was a good showing for Jade Cargill. What Jade Cargill is showing us, for one, she understands big match concepts. And that's proven with her entrances. This time, paying ode to the Thundercats, Chitara. She looked amazing. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. But on top of that, she was incredible in this matchup as well. Uh, Nyla Rose losing to Jay Cargill. Cargill remains undefeated and still your TBS champion. Now you get that fatal four-way for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Jericho, Danielson, Castagnoli, Sammy Guevara. I thought it was a great match. Jericho comes out as champion. They did all of the things. My concern is on a few things. For one... Um, how many more times does Brian Danielson lose in a match before the mystique of Brian Danielson is gone? I think Danielson needs to win some matches again. That's why we love him. That's why we said yes for years. I don't understand the allure right now to Chris Jericho being the world champion, particularly if we do not have a television deal for Ring of Honor. Now, here's what's sad to me. What's sad to me is we're going into final battle for Ring of Honor on December the 10th, ironically the same day as NXT's deadline premium live event, which that's at least the second time this year that AEW and WWE have had pay-per-views on the same day or the same weekend. Super interesting. Be that as it may. Final Battle 2021 represented the end of the old Ring of Honor regime. We didn't know if Ring of Honor would be coming back, etc., etc. They released all their talent. So here it is. We find out in March of 2022, Ring of Honor gets purchased by Tony Khan. We all think it's the rebirth of Ring of Honor. Instead, it really kind of hasn't been. And so this really kind of makes things difficult if you ask me when it comes to Ring of Honor. Why should we care about a Ring of Honor pay-per-view if they don't have a separate standalone product? I don't know. So we're going to obviously be keeping our eyes and ears peeled on all of this to see what it means. But again, right now, I don't think Ring of Honor or its championship mean nearly as much as they should, given their rich history. And so four great competitors, Jericho still your ROH world champion. We see the return of Soraya against Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Soraya's first match back in five years, an important showing for her. She gets the win to no one's surprise, and I'm very intrigued to see where we go from here with Soraya. So here's one of my shockers for the night. This being the TNT Championship match, Wardlow versus Samoa Joe versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Samoa Joe comes in as the ROH TV champion. Wardlow comes in as the TNT champion. And then you have Powerhouse Hobbs. I actually thought Powerhouse Hobbs might come out. The one person I did not think would come out of this as champion came out of this as champion. That being Samoa Joe. So that was surprising to me. But again, I'm, I'm good with certain surprises. And this one was one of them. So now we can call him Two Belts Joe. This ends the reign of Wardlow. I don't know what this means now if Wardlow and Samoa Joe end up going into a battle at some point for both belts, considering that 
final battle is coming in a couple of weeks. I'm sure there will be a buildup to some sort of world TV title match for Samoa Joe, maybe against Wardlow, maybe against Powerhouse Hobbs. Don't know. Okay. Sting, Darby Allen, Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal. Here's what I'll simply say about this particular match. Jeff Jarrett looks amazing to be 55 years old. Sting is finally starting to look old. And I don't mean any disrespect when I say that. I mean, it's probably about time to get Sting out out of these potentially dangerous situations for him like these no DQ kinds of matches. Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter. Jamie Hayter becomes the new women's interim world champion. Congratulations to her. Certainly, she had the swell of momentum following her. I definitely think this was the right move. Now, we'll have to at some point talk about what this whole interim thing really means. But until that particular point, Jamie Hayter, your women's world champion in AEW. Swerve in our glory versus the acclaimed. I think we all kind of knew two things are going to happen in this match. The acclaimed would come out as still world tag team champions and somehow Swerve in our glory would be no more. Well, both of those things happened one way or another, obviously setting up a potential feud between Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland and continuing the tag team reign of the acclaimed. That, of course, leads us to the world title match. MJF, John Moxley. I think we all knew MJF would come out of this as the new world champion. The question would be how. And I had this feeling, particularly from the Dynamite before Full Gear, that MJF would win Thanks to William Regal, and my feeling was right. Regal slips him the brass knucks, and now we have to find out what that relationship really means, what this fully means for the Blackpool Combat Club, etc., etc. If you watch Dynamite, you have a bit of an idea in terms of what's going down. With all that said, I feel like this pay-per-view was necessary for AEW. It was necessary for AEW to hit the reset button after the debacle that was All Out. And it's a shame because All Out as a pay-per-view was not bad, but it was, of course, the scrum heard around the world. And it became very, very clear that CM Punk seemingly is gone from AEW as all of the principal parties involved, at least most of them, are back with the exception, of course, of Ace Steel. So what did you think of the Full Gear pay-per-view? Let us know right now in the comments. And when we come back, we're going to talk to you about Survivor Series. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I got to plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown. And ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But that I started to see 
all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Casey Mack is taking How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. A few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win and there's a you, there will always be a S-H-W. This is the Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks, and you know I only do it one way, and that's big. You're not listening to The Faction. All right, guys, so Survivor Series returned to being the Thanksgiving week tradition as it took place this past Saturday night, two days after Thanksgiving. For those who remember the history of the Survivor Series, at one point, initially, Survivor Series was the Thanksgiving night tradition. It would actually happen on Thanksgiving Day, kind of taking a page from really what was happening in other territories on Thanksgiving, I think specifically about world class. I think about the NWA and Crockett promotions with Starcade. So this was a really big deal for WWE to somewhat return to it, its roots of the Survivor Series with it becoming a Thanksgiving week tradition. And this time it brought us war games. So we had two war games matches, the women's war games match. Saw a team Bianca Belair, which featured Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Mia Yim, and Becky Lynch defeat the team of Bailey, Dakota Kai, EO Sky, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley. AJ Styles defeats Finn Balor. Ronda Rousey defeats Shotzi. Austin Theory becomes the new United States champion by defeating Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley. And in the men's war games match, the Bloodline defeats the Brawling Brutes, Drew McIntyre, and Kevin Owens. So let me start by saying this. As much as AEW needed that reset, and they did, WWE had to hit a home run. And here's why I say had to, because I think they've been building and building since the new regime with Triple H began back at SummerSlam. And they've continued to bring us some great, great moments. To me, this Survivor Series felt like an NXT takeover. Here's why. 
it had only five matches. And what I think these pay-per-views or premium live events in WWE are starting to do really well is not pack on the pounds with, you know, 15 matches, but instead they're letting the best of the best tell their stories in matches that actually have time that we get to really enjoy the full story. And that is a win. Bookending this with the War Games matches was brilliant. Starting with the women's War Games match, ending with the men's War Games match was absolutely perfect. Think about this. So the women's War Games match had basically seven previous War Games participants, all from NXT. And in fact, the entire lineup, just think about this, the entire lineup in the women's War Games match all came through NXT every one of them so you knew this was going to be fire and it did not disappoint i can't say enough about how great this match was and bianca belair starting this was an unexpected move normally the champions would come in last but she came in first to prove a point and that point was absolutely proven becky lynch continues to show her toughness mia yim getting to participate finally in her survivor series match Bailey, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss were the only ones in this entire match that had not been in war games before. Rhea Ripley, Nikki Cross, all of them are great additions, as was Sky and Dakota Kai. So, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And speaking of phenomenal, AJ Styles and Finn Balor, they can do no wrong. They really can't. And they gave us another amazing match. Again, a great series, great things happening with them. Now, many might think that the quote unquote dud of the night or the blemish of the night was Shotzi versus Ronda Rousey. I will say that while it wasn't the most exciting match, I do credit Shotzi, first of all, for being able to hold her own in a match with this kind of spotlight. This is only the second pay-per-view or premium live event that Shotzi has even been a part of. And so for her to get the opportunity, for her to be believed in, is a great, great thing. So shout out to Shotzi. It's interesting. I'm not sure what it's going to take to give Ronda Rousey a personality that we'd be interested in. And I don't think that having even a heavy like Shayna Baszler is going to do it. In fact, Shayna Baszler's star is rising, but we're really not that interested in Ronda Rousey. Or maybe you are. Maybe it's just me. Let me know. The show stealer, I think, was the U.S. championship match. The pace at which Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, and Austin Theory moved was incredible. And the way Theory won it was just perfect. I thought it was perfect for where Austin Theory is in things. So by hook or by crook, Austin Theory, once again, the U.S. champion. I think this gets interesting. I didn't think Seth was going to lose the title. I think Seth has been on such an incredible run, and he's been doing a lot for that U.S. championship. I wonder what this means for Seth, and if, in fact, this could lead us to a Royal Rumble rematch against Roman Reigns. We may find out. And where does this put Bobby Lashley as well? Lashley is brutal. Lashley is mean. Lashley is tough. And Lashley still doesn't have gold. So we'll have to figure that out. But boy, the storytelling told to us in that War Games match all throughout the night, whether it was what happened on Friday night where Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens had a conversation and then Sami seemingly lies or withholds information from Jey Uso, the conversation between Roman 
and Sami Zayn in the locker room where Roman really wanted to test Sami's merit and worth. Then sending Jay out first in the war games, followed by Sami Zayn. And then it all coming down to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens finally locking eyes. Sami Zayn having to make a decision and what a decision Sami made. Sami chose the bloodline over everything. The reunion, the acceptance, all of that. Oh, what a story, what a story, what a story. I'm excited. That's what War Games is about. And yeah, just just phenomenal. Absolutely incredible. I enjoyed this Survivor Series immensely because it was great. Let's just face it. It was absolutely fantastic. So where do we go from here? Well, there's a couple of things that you should note. First and foremost, there is not another WWE premium live event until Royal Rumble. Remember, the day one pay-per-view is no more. And a lot of that has to do with scheduling and the like. One of those schedules being Shinsuke Nakamura heading over to Japan on New Year's Day to take on the great Muda in pro wrestling Noah. So there's that. You also have, again, no event in December outside of NXT deadline, which does not impact Raw or SmackDown. So this gives the WWE an opportunity to really craft some wonderful stories going into the Royal Rumble. And it's going to force us to really watch Raw and SmackDown to see what's happening in these developing stories. And there's still a lot of story left to be told in a lot of spaces. So we get to watch all of that. Side note, I'm not sure if AEW was paying attention, but the press conference done by WWE, which included Triple H, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Sami Zayn, and Paul Heyman, it was a stellar event. Now, it's funny because, no, you're not going to get a whole lot of F-bombs dropped, and you're not going to potentially get the company losing its lunch, but that's kind of the whole idea, right? It's news presented in a classy way, nuggets being dropped, cool items being dropped. But yeah, I, I think it would be smart for AEW to pay attention in their media scrums to how WWE does things. And even having, well, never mind. I'll just say this. It was a great, great situation for WWE and Survivor Series, and I have great appreciation for it. So there are lots of stories still to be told in WWE, and I think they're going to use some pretty masterful means to do that. For instance, if you caught the way that they used social media to tell the story of Dominic Mysterio, Rhea Ripley invading the Mysterio household on Thanksgiving Day. Like, I think there are brilliant things that are being done that make a lot of sense. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen over these next few months without a premium live event for Raw or SmackDown. It really should be something fantastic. So let me give you a bit of a spoiler alert, okay? So as you're probably aware, well, if you're not aware, I have the amazing privilege of doing commentary for a number of promotions, including Southern Honor Wrestling, Battle Slam, and Championship District Wrestling, along with work with the Nightmare Factory. We had a great show at Championship District Wrestling last night that had a moment or two that were kind of amazing. For one, Angelina Love, who is a seven-time women's world champion, including six of those reigns in Impact. Of course, a reign in Ring of Honor. She's currently signed to the NWA. She was a part of our show last night, as was Control Your Narrative, which that was just 
just crazy. Control Your Narrative was involved in the main event as Psycho Boy Fodder took on QT Marshall of the factory and of AEW. QT Marshall gets, well, let me not tell you the full results, but I will tell you this because you probably heard about this moment. Coming out and making an appearance to help QT Marshall was the legendary Billy Gunn, WWE Hall of Famer, also part of the acclaimed. He joined us and we found out that next month, December the 18th, at Championship District Wrestling, the main event will be Psycho Boy Fodder and the leader of Control Your Narrative, EC3, taking on QT Marshall and Billy Gunn. Yeah, it's the week before Christmas, so you might want to take a trip to the ATL and show up at Championship District Wrestling. It's going to be amazing. You'll get to see them live and in living color. I am excited. It's going to be incredible, and I'm just excited about this journey. Now, I do believe one of the things that we'll do before we wrap up the year is have another great year in review show. And I look forward to that. So with that said, family, I hope you've enjoyed the show today. Still lots left to talk about, and we'll get to that throughout the week. But I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving and incredible holiday season to you. And we're going to end the year in a bang, as we always do. And as we did last year, we're going to give you the opportunity in our Instagram stories to vote for the biggest story of 2022. There were so many massive stories I know which one I think you're going to choose, but you fooled me last year. You may fool me again this year. Make sure you are following us on Instagram because that's where the tournament will begin in our Instagram stories. All right, until next time, family representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Solid, my